Today, we're chatting with Squire founder Daniel Velichki about what's really needed to cure financial illiteracy once and for all and how you can get a better hold of your own financial life. You definitely don't want to miss this one, so don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. We've got an amazing guest. The level of content that we're going to be covering today, we have never touched on before, and it's it's just going to be amazing. But before we get there, quick update on my book, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. And you know, the book continues to sell well, and it continues to get wonderful five-star rave reviews, and I've got you to thank for that. So for everyone that's already bought a copy, thank you. For everyone that's left a review, thank you so much. For everyone that emails me, letting me know how you're liking and using and enjoying the content, I really, really appreciate you. And huge thank you to all the people that have also shown their support for the YouTube channel, which is now officially past 2,000 subscribers. Uh, I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am about where this is going to go. And uh, I'm just, I'm really pumped. So uh, thank you so much, everyone. And if you've not checked out the book yet, you can feel free to go to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That'll auto forward to the Amazon listing where you can check it out in Kindle or paperback or audiobook, depending on your preference. And if you don't want to pull out your wallet, well, that's why the YouTube channel is there. And that's why it's got 2,000 subscribers and counting. So you can feel free to check that one out by simply going to youtube.com slash Andrew Cap. With that said, let's dive straight into our interview of the day. I'm going to switch up mics and we're going to begin our conversation with Daniel. All right, everyone. I am super excited. We've, we've got an awesome guest and this is going to be a brief introduction followed by what I think are going to be some really interesting insights that are really going to serve you well. Uh, this gentleman, he is the CEO and founder of Squire and founder and senior partner of Opus Wealth Strategies. And uh, we were chatting before we hit the record button here. I get a feeling that he's really here just to add value and really shares insights. So I'm excited. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Daniel Velichki. Daniel, thank you so much for being here, my friend, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. I appreciate it, Andrew. You crush my name. Usually people, you know, always struggle with that, which is normal. But uh, I appreciate you getting it amazingly right. It was like you're Croatian. It's perfect. <laughs> there you can see. That's what I'm going for. Actually, you know, we'll, we'll share that. We, the, the way we kind of got introduced to each other was there was this thread on Facebook and people were talking about like good places to visit or move. And me, I'm just so I'm always like a sponge for for new insights like that, because it's, it's good to know really good information. And you were um, you were just like this person's like, I'll, I'll tell you about Croatia because that's what people are talking about. And I was, I was like, cool. And then I found out a little bit more about you. And I'm like, wait, this dude might be an awesome guest for Shattered a Mold. Let's see if he's up for coming on. And, uh, and here we are. You were, you were so gracious to say, yeah, I'll do it. And, uh, and I really appreciate that, man. Absolutely. I, I love sharing with uh, um, anything that we can obviously add out to the public. Um, I feel like people are looking for information. So I'm, I'm really thankful to be able to share anything. Yeah. And I was telling you before we hit the record button, I'm not sure what direction we'll go down, but just in case we need to say this legally, um, whatever is going to be discussed or disclosed here is not financial advice, should not be seen as financial advice. That way, uh, no one could get mad or you at me, depending on what's said here. 
I figured again, you got a word, uh, you know, the words wealth strategies in a company name, we'll make sure that we have that going just depending yep. on where we're going to take this. Our, our attorneys are going to be happy with us. There you go. See, <laughs> I figure I get a high five from you on the pronunciation and a high five from the attorneys on everything else. And, and that's how I've done my job, right? Great, great. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's not wait, you know, mince words here. Let's actually talk about um, Squire, because I know that's uh, that's a real passion of yours. If I remember, it's about a year and a half old. Like, what is it? What inspired it? And what are you looking to do with it? You know, it's funny when <clears throat> when people talk about you know projects that they're involved in, and so like a year and a half or whatever. So we launched about a, a well, it is about a year and a half now. It was November 11th of 19. It's been in the works for probably about six years. You know, everybody that that you see that's successful, and they're like oh, you know, it's, it's quick kind of success. Yeah. You don't know the years that it took to get to actual launch. And, you know, you're familiar where, where, how long it takes to run a book, how long it takes to be successful in what we do. But yeah, Squire is, is really a, a passion project that's turned into something that I'm so proud of. Uh, my team is amazing. It's, it's really a financial literacy platform that I found a calling to, because um, I've done the Opus Wall strategy that you mentioned. It's, it's, you know, I've been doing 21 years of kind of retail finance, right? Sitting down with individuals just like us, normal people that are like, hey, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. Please teach me, help me, empower me to make the right decisions. And, you know, after you speak to so many people, so many individuals, thousands over those 20 years, the last few conversations that I had about five, six years ago were just like, oh my gosh, you know, these people are Yale MDs and MIT scientists and just NASA, you know, amazing individuals. And you ask them enough questions when it comes to their financial knowledge, and they just look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about because education is just not there in the MBA programs and, and, and you know, jobs. It's just, it's kind of lacking. So I, I just found this internal need to build something that would be able to empower people. And really that's what Squire um, is. It's, it's an empowerment platform. It's an educational platform, no sale, no push, no nothing. It's really made to make people feel comfortable uh, because I'll tell you, you know, most I'm, I'm 43. And if I talk to enough friends um, or people that I even get, uh, you know, referred to or talk to, they just feel like they're ignorant. They feel, you know, uh, self-conscious about what they know or don't know. And a lot of times that leads them to not asking questions, not looking for help because they feel like they're too far away from, you know, that success and where they feel like they should be. And it's a real problem because that's, <laughs> those are the people that need the help. They need the education. They need you know, empowerment so that they can do better. Uh, but a lot of times there's just not anything out there. And the system is kind of designed to sell you stuff. And people just generally don't like to be sold. So, you know, our mission is very, very simple to put financial literacy into the hands of every American. And past that is to teach them how to buy rather than being sold, which is a huge paradigm shift from the financial industry, the way it works right now. Um, and then the third one is really education without implementation is worthless. Um, so try to pe put people in movement, in action, so that they can actually, you know, do things that are required to be successful in their future. Um, I know that's a lot, but it's just a, it is a passion thing. So if you get me started, like I'll never stop, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, no, I was listening. I was taking it all in. I had a few thoughts as you were through, going through that. First of all, you know, major uh, gratitude and respect to you for, for going down this road, because as you were describing, you know, what, what people go through, the, the word that popped in my mind was intimidated. People yes. are intimidated around this idea. And there's also, um, and I don't know if you use the word confusion, but there's a level of confusion where oftentimes people will speak to their accountant or their attorney or their financial advisor, whoever it might be. And 
the it's not like the the person they're working with is trying to do something bad, but that person's received a certain level of education with their certain terms and their brains have already made the connections where they okay. detail something. They're showing you a chart and most people are like in their mind are like, I have no idea where we're going, but I've only got an hour with this person. So I've got to let them get to their point. Do you know what I mean? There's, yep. Yep. there's this weird, it's almost like, you know, no one's the bad guy, or at least no one's the intentional bad guy, but built into this process is something where, like you said, there's, there's a level of illiteracy that's really difficult to overcome. So props and respect and appreciation to you for, for taking us on. Now with that in mind, I think you used the word platform in what way is this accomplished? In what way are you giving people a higher level of financial certainty and literacy? So it's designed and it isn't just a platform. So you would get your own login, you go in, you, you, you learn at your own pace. There is, um, you know, pretests that kind of give you an idea like, hey, this is what you should probably be focusing on. Then we also work from a standpoint of life events. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm about to get married. What do I need to know? I'm about to go buy a car. What do I need to know? I'm about to, you know, start my first job. I get this thick book of stuff that they told me to read through and, you know, the health insurance and the taxes and the benefits and retirement, blah. It's just overwhelming to people. Just like you said, it is absolutely. So we, we put you in a position where, you know, you can watch videos, you can listen, you can read, um, this homework that you can do, which is like, Hey, step one, do this step two, pull out your, you know, car insurance statement, look at these numbers. What does it work, you know, compared to what you have. So it's, it's just really putting you in a position where you can go in a place, you can sign on, it's your own time. It's your own, you know, safety of your own home or whatever you're doing. Um, and you can empower yourself with education because that's the biggest thing that obviously puts you in a position where you understand things and you go to buy things and, and put, you know, action places, uh, actions in place that make it better for you tomorrow. So um, we're mostly partner with companies as an employee benefit, because that's what we found where it really impacts the most, the bottom line of so many companies because of the you know financial stress, especially, I mean, I, I can't even tell you the amount of data that we have since COVID situation has started and, and now, you know, hopefully <laughs> ending. Um, that, you know, the financial stress that it's put on the, the, the population of America and what that does from, you know, efficiency and effectiveness, absenteeism, um, it, its retention is huge. Um, so financial literacy is really putting a position of people in place where they can, you know, just not feel as stressed as they potentially do because, mm -hmm. you know, they can learn and really hopefully understand things better than they have. Um, and then different organizations offer it, churches, um, you know, we're working with the, with the, uh, the military and a couple of branches. So we found a huge need. There's a couple of providers out there. And of course, all of us have some value propositions that make us, you know, different than somebody else. But um, it's pretty, uh, it's extremely inexpensive, just because we were able to build it so that it's a, it's an online platform. And um, I'm, I'm really proud of what we've done. That's pretty great, man. Nice. Now I'm, I'm going to make a few assumptions here. I'm going to invite you to interrupt me if I'm off on this, but I imagine some of the things that you're covering here are, you know, basically literacy around someone's 401k, around a Roth IRA, around a mortgage, around like, you know, car payments, that type of thing. And you're nodding. Yes. Yeah. So one question, like, does this also go down the road of, you know, stock investments, cryptocurrency? Is it, is it go down those roads also? It's covering, uh, and we're building additional stuff. And that's the beauty of, of this kind of platform is uh, constant addition of content. Obviously, you know, we, we put surveys out, we, we ask, you know, the, the populations, what do they want to learn about? Um, and then we have just a way to get the information, put it into a way that we are delivering 
and build more and more. So absolutely, investments are covered. And again, just like you said in the beginning of the interview, it's not advice. It is pure education. It's just to make you understand all the things that you need to understand so that when the time comes to make the decision, you're able to because you have the information needed to get there. Um, you know, cryptocurrency obviously is one of the hottest thing, things right now. Um, we covered that. And then, you know, we covered just a the things that people forget, credit, you know, regular budgeting, uh, the, the, you know, the benefits, the car insurance, the homeowners, the wills and trusts and, and planning. And like I said, you know, 15 year mortgage compared to 30, 30 year mortgage, simple math interest compared to compound, bad debt, good debt. It's all the things that really, really matter. But people, and this is, you know, I love that you brought that up. People think that financial literacy is all about investments. That's probably like 20% of the conversation. You know, when we talk about, you know, money or, or even the conversation about Squire, we, you know, Squire's name came from the fact that I've always talked about in medieval times, you knew who had the most money, they had the biggest castle, but they also had a big moat around the castle to protect from somebody just coming in and taking everything. So we kind of stuck with that medieval thing and Squire's the little guy that prepares tonight for battle. So we are preparing people for the battle of life when it comes to your finances, protection, savings, future, past, you know, everything so that you can, just be a better father, a better mother, a better brother, sister, employee, employer, boss, husband, wife. It's, it's really making you a better person so that, you know, everything that you're doing, not just investments, is understood. It's properly planned. It's properly placed. And tomorrow is just easier, right? That's what we all yeah. want. <laughs> you know, I, I think I ought to give uh, my audience a quick disclaimer right now, just so everyone's on the same page. Um, I am not... Um, I'm not being compensated for having you on. I don't know what your prices are. And the reason I'm saying that is because I want everyone to know I am really pumped by what you're saying right now. I'm, I'm really like, this is such an important thing. And again, like, you know, I haven't even previewed Squire. I haven't, I haven't had experience with it. But by the way you were describing it, this is such a critical thing that people really need to put in. And again, I'm, I'm like pushing on like, guys, I'm not making money. I'm not getting compensated. I just think this is legit. And I'm so really, I'm pumped to hear you describing this and saying this because I always had the hope and I admittedly didn't do much research to see if I was right or if it was there, but I always had the hope that something like this was out there for people because I think as time goes by, financial illiteracy overall, it goes higher and higher and gets worse and worse. So yep. this is this is super exciting to me. Thank you again. This is, I'm pumped. Um, so- uh, question here again, you know, you've had so many of these conversations, you've had, um, you know, so much experience with people that are going down this path. Based on your experience, like what is the number one or one of the number one challenges that people have that can easily be addressed if only they know to do something, you know, to, mm. to, to educate themselves or to take on some other further step? Number one challenge. That's a great question, man. Um, I, I can tell you, how about we do this? How about we go with the biggest misconceptions? By yeah, people? absolutely. Um, num- number one that we see probably the most is, uh, and it, it's, it's funny to me just because again, the, the people that don't have the education, everybody complains about taxes, right? Um, you know, I, I'm in Norfolk area, of, you know, extremely proud to live in the area where so many servicemen and women live. So I'm, I'm honored to be able to help them and teach them. Um, and, you know, they come in and, it doesn't matter really who comes in and we talk about, you know, we do education and uh, we talk about taxes and like, Oh my gosh, you know, taxes are so high. I pay so much in taxes. And, and you look at, you look at their, 
you know, there's a difference between effective and marginal tax bracket, which is, you know, one of the big conversations we cover. And then the effective tax brackets are like eight, nine, 10, 12, 15%. And then you teach them that the highest, you know, tax bracket in the United States history was 94. And, and today is, you know, 39.6. And that really even, even your, you know, well-off clients that are potentially paying marginal 39.6, effective, maybe 25 you know, they're complaining about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, celebrate that. Celebrate the current situation because, you know, your parents would tell you about 70s that, you know, they were paying 40, 50, 60, 70% tax brackets. Um, so that's probably number one and understanding that and how it works and what it is, is extremely important when it comes to your money. And that's probably the biggest conversation and most impactful conversation that somebody can have with their financial person is just to understand current taxation and future taxation when it comes to their money. It's huge. Uh, number two is the debt conversation, because so many people struggle with it. So many people have really emotional connection to debt being, being with, you know, um, how they were brought up, grandparents and parents' decisions or, or education, right? And what we have to remember is that, you know, 2008 wasn't as bad from a debt perspective and, and impact as, as it could have been because of two things that happened back in 1929 and the Great Depression. You know, debt used to be callable. So, Tomorrow you close on a mortgage back then and somebody can just call you up and be a week later and be like, Hey, just joking. I want all the money back. And you're wow. like, if I, you know, if I had the money, I would have bought the house with cash. So that's, that was the biggest probably problem with 1929. We had Hoovervilles is that, you know, the banks lost a whole bunch of money in the, in the, uh, the, the market crash because most in the financial institutions were investing in the market. Uh, they could invest in margin, which is crazy. If you think about that, you know, today it's extremely hard to invest in margins. Maybe some uh, broker houses still allow you to do it. But back then you would come up with 10 or 20% of the investment and they would lend you 80 or 90% because, you know, the market's never going to go down. So imagine, you know, if, if the market lost at 70% in a week and now you have to come up with 60% of what you had invested, but you only put down 10 or 20. That was a horrible, you know, situation financially for anybody. Hmm. So that's why, you know, grandparents are like, Spend money only on things that you can afford in cash. Do not borrow money because somebody can call your debt. Well, that's not true. Those are the two things that change after 1921. This 1929 is, you know, things are no, no longer being able to invest, invest on the margin. And number two is debt is not callable. So if you're paying your mortgage, nobody can take away your mortgage. If you're paying your car payment, nobody can take away your car. It's not, it's not something that's, that's a bad thing. So now it's becoming a, an efficiency conversation. You know, a car is a depreciating vehicle. As soon as you drive it off the lot, it's it's worth 15 to 20% less depending on the, you know, the make and model. And, you know, a lot of people will be like, I'll save cash for my car and buy with cash. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, you can, other people's money, OPM is fantastic. And right now, I don't know if you, you know, when, when was the last time you bought a car, but interest rates are like 0. 0.9, 1.2, 1.7, you know, percent. Why would you not use other people's money at that low of a simple math interest rate to buy something that's depreciating already? And you use your cash to do something that's better, higher compound environment, making you more returns, uh, putting you in a better position. So those are kind of the, the conversations that we have because a lot of people tend to make financial decisions in a little microchasm of their, you know, thought process just about that, but they never think of, you know, because I'm doing this, I can't do this. So there's that you know, cause and effect thing. And it is huge, especially when it comes to cars. I mean, we buy on average 10 cars in a lifetime. You're talking about a half a million dollars. That, that's a huge decision, what you, how you do it, right? And uh, so those are just small little things that, that we 
teach people about just so that they understand exactly how to look at it, how to, you know, how to approach it and then make their own decision. What makes, makes it right for them. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, quick little observation. And I haven't given this much thought until I just heard you describing it, but I, I feel like I wondered, you know, there's people where I don't think people in general enjoy open loops and, you know, taking on something where you owe money versus paying for cash is an open versus a closed loop. I think even yep. if it's not in their best financial interest, even if it's making things harder on them, there's that Emotional. perception, that feeling, yeah. well, it's it's less painful in the moment, therefore less friction, therefore I am, um, you know, compelled to move in this specific direction. Well, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. So the way I look at it is, if you have $50,000 in the savings and you buy a $50,000 car at, you know, 0.9% interest, are you really in debt? On Monday, you can wake up and be like, eh, I don't like how this makes me feel because now I have a payment. I'll just take a $50,000 and pay off the loan. So you're really not in debt. You're just holding the money somewhere else because you are making the decision that he could potentially do something better for you, more effective for you, rather than paying off that, you know, very low, simple math interest uh, loan. Um, And then the biggest second thing is the fact that people, I think, have a misconception about what financial independence is. Everybody talks about they want to be financial independent. And number one thing that the number one answer that we get is that financial independence is you don't owe anybody anything. That is always the number one answer. There are a few people that might say, oh, well, you know, having enough assets. And when you think about those two answers, the, 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 I think the, what you were talking about, that feeling is absolutely, I don't owe anybody anything um, because you feel like I am, I'm, I'm in control. There's nothing that can hurt me. I'm great. But then you have to think about, well, I still have a cable company that, you know, sends me a bill every month that I have to pay. I still have, you know, real estate tax that I got to cover. I still have gas that I got to put in my car and the, you know, all the things, right? So really I can't be sitting down on my couch and decide not to work because I still have all this stuff that I have to do. And then things fall apart and the cars get older and now I have to go buy another car. So I still have to make money to do that. Where on the other side is what if I had a million dollars in a bank account or, you know, a, a pension or an annuity or something that's kicking me off five, six, 7% income. And now I'm making 50, 60, $70,000 off of that million. Do I have to get off the couch? No, my, I call it just mailbox money. You have 10 real estate properties that are paying me $2,000 a month or 1500 bucks a month. And now I'm making all this money because I built assets. So I can owe people stuff, but I have the assets that are passively paying for that lifestyle. And that's what everybody's working towards, right? The mission is to be able to retire, whatever mm-hmm. that means to anybody, right? Um, but you can't retire just because you paid off things. You can retire when you have enough money in things that will pay you for the rest of your life. So the faster you get to those assets, the faster you can actually be financial independent and you don't get there by throwing all your money into debt because what you're losing is time because you have three variables when it comes to money. You have the amount of dollars that you can save, amount of rate of return that you can uh, chase and the amount of time that you have left. You can always save more. You can chase more. You can never get back time. So if you start at 25 to buy cash for all the cars and then seven years later, oh crap, that car fall, fall, fell apart. Now I have to spend more cash. What you're doing is now you're 25, now you're 35 and 40 and you're just losing that time. And we know that time is the biggest accumulator of wealth. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, there's some misconceptions out there for sure that are, that are being used almost out of, uh, I don't know, ease, 
because it's easy and um, because it does take a little bit more work to do things that are not obviously as easy and not as you know emotionally um, right or feel right yeah so you know but I, I believe that it's just pure education that's what people are missing yeah now when we were talking about misconceptions you know you gave a lot of uh, details about you know taxes and perspective of what it is versus what it was uh, I you know I imagine you know tax codes are evolving all the time does that become a challenge for you and your platform to keep up with that or is the format of your education transcending any changes that might be made on a more granular level it's uh, so the, the thing is you you changes happen all the time which is the benefit of the platform because it does change as things happen right so that's that's nice um but the second thing is for us which are retail normal people there's only about 10 percent that matters right all the other stuff is for great corporations and deductions and estate planning and all the high level stuff and how to do your tax return um Everybody should probably have a financial you know, professional to do your taxes because they can more than likely do a better job. And if you're getting returns or, you know, paying taxes, probably, you know, get you more back or make you pay less than what they're charging you. That's always been my experience. I mean, my, you know, my CPAs are amazing. Um, so I, that's their job to figure out the details and minutia of the tax codes. What we teach is like, okay, Here's the you know things that matter to you on how you make decisions, what to do, what to pay, what to invest, what to save, how to, how does that you know anything to make you understand what you're doing so that you make the best decision, um, and that's like I said about ten percent, so it's not overwhelming for us to keep up with it. Hmm. Got it. So you know we spoke about a few misconceptions here, and obviously I know the platform does a lot. What in general again like, is one thing you can kind of narrow down that people are missing? that they should be focusing on right now that'll get them other than the obvious of just, you know, education overall. Is there, is there one piece that you think is the highest leverage that they can really focus on and just have either a better understanding of themselves and the money around them, or just be in a way better position to be in a better financial situation overall? Uh, I can tell you the number one product that I wish people would know more about um, is connected to their car insurance, homeowners insurance. Cause you know, we, 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 we focus on the future too much compared to protecting what we have. And and what we don't understand is that our future is where all of our wealth is. So on protecting that is probably the, the biggest job that we have, but we were conditioned to, you know, buy protection components by, you know, one 815 minutes saves you 15% or more. It's based on price rather than value and, and what it actually does for us. So, you know, understanding the liability limits on people's car insurance is, you know, 25, 50, 25, 50, 150, 100, 300, 100, what those mean, what they do and how they protect you. And then the biggest thing that I see most of the time um, is, is really people's understanding of umbrella policies, liability protection. Um, those are huge protection components for our future that I see as underutilized the most. Um, so again, it's not about the investment. It's about what if I'm having a, a tough day at work and I'm tired because my kids didn't sleep all night or my dog was, you know, sick and I fall asleep on the wheel after, you know, 10 hour shift if I'm a nurse and I'm driving home and God forbid I, you know, run into somebody and hurt them. That can be detrimental to the rest of your life because in any state of, you know, as the United States of America, um, you can be sued above your liability limits up to 25% of your income without putting you in poverty. But Think about what that would do to somebody's ability to really be financially okay. Um, 
So it's not about, you know, Roth IRA or 401k or, you know, do the match in a 401k no matter what, that's free money. Of course, those are all things that I think people know and they try to do, they, do, they try to do their best. Um, but the things that are believed, the, the biggest thing that's talked about the least is probably that car insurance umbrella policy conversation. And that's where we see the most risk, the most, because people are very much underinsured because they just don't understand what that little piece does for them. Um, that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing that we see is a, is a missing conversation. Mm-hmm. Got it. And, you know, yeah. I guess, again, making sure we're not in a financial advice territory, what is that missing piece? What should they be doing and looking into to make sure that they're better protected in that way? I just love for them to have a really good conversation with their, with their providers and tell them, Hey, listen, you know, I'm this old, this is what we got. This is what we're trying to build. This is how many kids, whatever it is. And really then tell them instead of buying it on price, like, Hey, what is the cheapest thing that I have to do and have to have by the state of whatever, you know, Alabama, Virginia, New York, whatever it is, because every state has their minimums to be like, what should I do to protect my family? Because that's what those pieces are, right? We drive around on torpedoes and wheels. And then I would, I would really encourage them to, to ask, hey, should I look into an umbrella policy, a personal liability protection policy? Um, because that just comes on top of your car insurance, on top of your homeowner's insurance. It protects you over and above what those limits are. And, you know, my, I think I have a $2 million umbrella policy. cost costs me like 320 bucks a year. It's so inexpensive. Wow. But it's, but it's just, you know, it is... God forbid that my dog bites somebody or, you know, something happens on a trampoline. I don't own a trampoline, but I know a lot of people do. Um, you know, those are the things that are like things that you don't think about, but can be extremely impactful to somebody's financial situation. Um, so again, it's not about investments. Those are cool. They're sexy. They're nice, you know, but um, there's a lot of people that do a fantastic job of giving good advice. And, you know, you can listen to a lot of podcasts and information out there. It's more about really looking at your finances as a macro from a, a macro approach. Look, and it's defense and offense are both important. Beautiful. Um, so real quick, I mean, I touched on it before, but, you know, again, not financial advice, your personal opinion um, to whatever details you want to share, whatever thoughts you want to share. What is your opinion right now in 2021 on cryptocurrency and where it might be going and, and the value that it might end up having and, and the impact that it might end up having over the next five or 10 years? Oh man, that's a big, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> it depends who you listen to. You know, if you listen to Elon Musk or, or, you know, there's so many, so many people that seem to be impacting um, this part of the, uh, the financial <laughs> kind of life that we're living here. Uh, it's definitely something that has a future. I, I, I hear a lot of people talking you know, like, uh, it's just, it's crap. It's short term. It's going to disappear. Everybody's going to lose, you know, billions of dollars. I don't believe that's going to happen. Um, I definitely believe there's oversaturation of the amount of coins there are. And I don't think people understand which ones do what or what they even do at all. Um, obviously, everybody talks about Bitcoin and its value and its future and where it's come from and where it's going. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that I always tell people when it comes to, and, and in my world, when, when I look at it for myself, there's planning and there's playing. That's the way I, I, I look at my world. A plan for success and success means that I can deal with change. Change is the only thing that's guaranteed. So my ability to adapt to change in the future when it comes to me being, you know, laying on the beach in Croatia and, you know, spending three months there and nine months, you know, in America, wherever we end up, um, 
I just want to know that mailbox money shows up, that I'm okay, all the bills are paid, everything's taken care of. And I don't want a lot of risk. I want, you know, just calm. That's what the word is calm. I want to be calm. Um, and then there's playing, which is, hey, I, I might want to buy this stock or I might want to buy this investment property or I might want to buy, you know, a couple thousand dollars of a crypto thing that's, you know, 10 cents or a dollar or something like that because, you know, I read up on it and I think it could have, you know, some benefit and growth. But if I don't do well in it, it doesn't change my life. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I look at those those kind of situations. I don't believe that it's it's a it's yet a portfolio you know diversification piece. Um, I think we're still in the play area um, of of the the where it fits in. If you were talking about a you know diversification inside inside of somebody's holdings, so I just look at it. It's it's cool. We're definitely talking about a futuristic thing, and you know. I know people that have, you know, put in a thousand dollars and it's worth a hundred grand just because they came in, it's a cent and I went up to a dollar, you know, it's this, that kind of stuff crazy enough can happen. I mean, but it's, they're also not going to be upset if they lost a thousand dollars, you know, if, if that's their, if that's their, uh, you know, financial situation. So I just, I just look at it as there's, there's definitely a difference between planning and playing. Um, I feel like not enough people plan but too many people play um, just because, you know, everybody's doing it. So it's cool. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> planning is kind of like a chore and I have to do it and I got to get all this stuff together and make a decision, whatever. And that seems too hard, but, you know, to open a, even a Robin hood or, you know, Coinbase or whatever, whatever app you might be using, that's just easy. And you just punch in your stuff and look, you're connected to your bank account and, you know, Hey, it's just a, we talked about that ease of doing things, just make it, make it so much uh, more um, attractive, I think. Cool. Cool. So, uh, you know, you can probably tell, and I know my audience can tell whenever I have a, a guest on like you who really knows their stuff, I really just do my best to navigate as many roads as possible, pull whatever gold <laughs> I can and anticipate the questions they might have. With that said, the conversation we've had here, you knowing what you know and doing what you do is there anything important that I might've missed that you think is important to share with the audience? You know, I, I'll, I'm going to take a completely like a 90 degree turn. Um, cool. Just because I believe that as a country um, we're, we're in an interesting place and it's funny to, to, I, I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. I listen to a lot of podcasts like yours just because I feel like, you know, learning from the past, learning from people's experiences and learning from people's stories is probably you know, the best thing that one can do because they can, you know, I, I call it kind of, you know, false or, or, you know, you take on somebody's knowledge uh, experience and potentially, you know, learn from their mistakes. You know, I came from Croatia, right? I was 18. I lived through a Croatia, Serbia war thing um, for four years when I was 14 to 18. So a lot of my youth and growing up was the, the, you know, defined by that, um, life or death kind of situation to us it was normal i mean it was just everyday life right we were still going to school we were you know but then you hear bombs and air raids and all that stuff it's crazy and then coming to america i came as a foreign exchange student i was extremely lucky to be able to stay here at school um i just feel like so many people do not understand and appreciate how amazing this country is I feel like so many people are saying that it's horrible and so many people are so divided and so many people are picking at all these things that actually make this country amazing. You know, 
different belief systems. That's what we were born out of the, the, the belief in freedom, the belief in, you know, everybody's ability to live their life as they wish. I mean, those are all the things that, that people of this country fought for and those were celebrated. And today I feel like they're, they're fought against. Um, I feel like so many people are pointing fingers and, you know, saying that this is the worst time in United States history. And I just wish that they would stop, look around, take count of their life, their blessings, their, their greatness of what they're surrounded with. And the fact that tomorrow they can wake up and make their life, whatever they want. And, and I just feel like it is such a, such a sad thing to, to see for somebody like me. I'm, you know, my father-in-law is an amazing man, Steve, like he calls me the the biggest non-born American patriot, <laughs> mm-hmm. just because you know I I love what we have. I love how we can live. I love that I can wake up with a dream and make it happen. And I love that there's people around me that celebrate that dream with me and will lift me up instead of push me down. Um, and that's what happens in so many countries in the world. Is you know. Uh, ambition and success are not celebrated ambition and success are stifled because they might make somebody else look bad and that's not okay um so you know we live in a place where dreams come true and i just wish that more people would feel the same way i mean you know we talk about two companies that that i'm involved in or that that i started i mean i'm an immigrant that came from you know a country small little country beautiful country and i'm a proud croatian but you know, at 18 with hardly anything. And because I'm a hard worker and because I'm, I'm a, you know, I believe man of principles and, and, you know, believe that anything can happen in this country. I, I was able to build something and I, I'm all heart and all hundred percent all the time because anything else, you know, why? Um, so if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, we're, we, we met through the entrepreneurs organization chat thing, right? And, you know, you, you talk to people that are, that are around us. You just have so many stories of, of, uh, of people that, you know, we talk about college and like, Oh, I didn't go to college. I just worked for my dad and had the age vice company and, you know, busted my butt 80 hours a week and, and, you know, built it into a successful enterprise. And, you know, I, I, I love those stories. And those are the people that are like, they walk with their head high and with their chest strong and big because they are proud of what they've done. They're proud of the life that they live and they're proud of the way they live it. And I wish that there were more people like that. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm proud of this country. And I think, I don't think this is the, you know, the darkest time in our history. Uh, I, I think that there's, you know, so much greatness. We just have mm-hmm. to uncover it more often. I, I hear you speak the way you're speaking and you're very obviously a man of principle. And I believe that's a huge part of your success. And I'd argue if people have principle themselves or those that have principles will enjoy success as well. So thank you for sharing that. Um, with that in mind, you know, if people want to either connect with you or they want to check out Squire, one or both, whatever you think, what is the best way for them to either uh, connect with you or find out more about Squire? Um, yeah, you can, um, online is just, uh, www.getsquire.com and Squire is spelled S Q W I R E. Um, you can look up my, my name on LinkedIn. You can connect to me there. That's pretty easy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm available for conversations or, or anything. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty easy to uh, get a hold of us, but I appreciate the time, man. This was awesome. Um, you know, 
I'm very passionate to share the story and, and obviously share my mission. So I appreciate you giving me a little bit of time to chat. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And if I could ask one more question out of you, I always ask this yep. of uh, many of my guests, and I'm very interested to hear your response. You, you know, living the life you've lived and, you know, making the, the, the tremendous leaps and success and the tremendous experiences you've had, if you can go back in time, I mean, it could be 20 years or five years or 25 or 10, like any time, and give a younger, earlier version of yourself any piece of advice, what would that advice be? <laughs> um, that's a great question. I'm not sure I have a direct answer. I can just, a couple of comments that I can say there. I, I, um, so when I, when I came to America as a foreign exchange student, I was, I was very lucky to have met a guy um, gentleman that decided to help me stay here. And I went back to Croatia and I told my parents and I had the hardest conversation with them because since I was little, I always wanted to come to America and there was, you know, supported me and said, this is something that you should do. I was a 4.0 student, just a you know, nerd, whatever. Um, and after the war, obviously, you know, economy is not that great. So this just seemed like a, like a best place. So I came back and I said, Hey, you know, I found a way to stay. I found a way, a place to live. I found a way to pay for school, like an amazing thing. Right. And my parents looked at me and said, um, we don't want you to go. We missed you. We love you. We really want you to stay. It was probably one of the hardest things to, to hear. Um, I left, I just said, I don't know. I don't know about that. And I left to visit a friend in Vienna, Austria for three days. And I just walked the streets by myself while she worked. And I came home after three days and I looked at my mom and dad and I said, I, I love you and I hear you, but I can't live with a what if. Um, a what if is just such a huge thing because, you know, you would run that movie in your head of what could have happened. What could it be like? What, what would it, where would I be now? Um, and really the answer to your question is, I am pretty proud and certain in the things that I've done in my life. And I really don't know that I would change anything or that I would tell myself anything different because I believe that I was 100% honest with myself in the decisions that I made. I believe that I was open to listen to the, the voices from wherever they were, whether, you know, whether it was God or ghosts, whatever you might believe in. Um, and I was at the crossroads so many times and somehow I, I took the step and it wasn't always the easiest. And I can say that probably more than once, um, but it turned out to be the right one. So just, I would go back and just tell him, man, you're going to do just fine. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be easy but you're going to make the right moves. You're going to make the right decisions. You're going to, you know, it's going to be bumpy and bloody every once in a while, but um, I'm, I would, I would go back and tell him that he's going to be just fine. Awesome. Well, Daniel, all I can say is I've really, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your time with me and sharing your insight and your wisdom and uh, also, again, you know, I'm, I'm super pumped by this, this thing you've got going on with Squire. Uh, again, I'm, I'm just grateful there's someone out there who cares this much and is making things like that happen. So thank you for being you, and thank you for coming on here, man. I've really enjoyed it. Andrew, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it.
Thank you again, Daniel. That was an amazing conversation, and I really appreciate you being here. Guys, I'm going to leave all relevant links for Daniel in the description of this YouTube video if you're watching it in video format. Or if you're listening on audio, you can feel free to check out ShatterTheModePodcast.com, where this episode resides. And while I'm giving out links, quick reminder, you can check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction Book You'll Ever Need to Read, by going to LastLawOfAttractionBook.com, or the YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash Andrew Cap. With that said, thank you as always for listening, and stay tuned. I've got more awesome guests on the way in the near future. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.